Life Audio. Just ahead on encouragement for you, former Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy discusses living in hard times and Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Minareth on overcoming anxiety. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. For many people, life recently has been hard. Financial challenges, health issues, busy schedules, and uncertainty about the future all seem to complicate our day-to-day experience. Dan Cathy has a gift for encouraging people who are going through hard times, and he shares encouragement as he talks with host Don Hawkins. We are seeing a lot of folks that are really going through an awful lot of stress right now. It's a topic that is very, very pertinent for today. Yeah, and some of you listening to this program may be under a great deal of stress right now. It could be economic stress. It could be stress in your marriage. Well, that's true, and that's exactly what your listeners have been facing now. Uh, many of them don't know if they're going to have a job on Monday. Uh, many of them you know, don't know what's going to happen to uh, other relationships. We've got cutbacks that are going on in business. We've got cutbacks that are going on in the federal government today. Uh, we've got cutbacks that are going on in every sphere of, of business. And uh, these oftentimes are happening with people who are right on the edge financially. They're just barely making it. So yeah. if they have cutbacks in commission sales or real estate sales or whatever, then they're going to be facing uh, payments that are in arrears and actually even facing foreclosure tragically in, uh, in a lot of places. I think one good thing that I think is going to happen down out of this is that uh, consumerism and materialism has uh, gotten such a grip on our society today that I think we're going to be kind of brought back to our senses to realize that mm. there does come a day of reckoning and that when we put all kind of things on the credit card, there comes a time that we're going to have to settle up. And uh, it's amazing to me the kind of you know, unbelievable interest rates that, that are being charged and people are paying today 20 and 30% interest rates. You know, there's no wonder that there's, there's no way they're going to be able to get out of it. So yeah. people are having to liquidate an awful lot of assets at depressed prices in order yeah. to settle up. 
and avoid foreclosure. Of course, we even see that in big business today. I mean, we've got the automakers right there in Washington, D.C., pleading with the American taxpayer to bail them out of, uh, of bad choices, bad decisions, not keeping up not staying relevant, not watching out for competition, not yep. listening to the customer, not anticipating gas shortages and the kind of energy crisis that we're facing today. And as a result, that, that obsolescence is costing them big time. And many people, tragically, will be having to pay the consequences of bad decisions made by a few. And um, that's just the, the fate of leadership and how important it is that we've got good leaders, not only in government and business and churches and also community leaders as well. You know, as I think about this whole issue, Dan, and what uh, people are facing right now, uh, their issues with banks, their issues with the automotive industry, certainly issues with employment, and, and all of those various things add to the stress level that we have. What recommendations do you have for us to handle the stresses that we may be facing that may be overloading us right now? Well, fortunately, the Bible is just chock full of personal illustrations up front and close that where we're able to be transparent enough, the Bible is so clear to open up into the lives of people in which we saw stress and how they dealt with stress. One of my favorite characters that you and I have talked about on a number of occasions is Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Now, he must have been really, really stressed out because he, of all people, knew what they were facing with the children of Israel as they were about to cross the Jordan River. And I think the kind of counsel that Joshua received that time in prayer as God began to speak to Joshua is exactly... Uh, the word that we need to have for today. And, and and I agree with you. I think Joshua is a great example uh, for a time of change, a time of transition, a time of stress. Uh, the Lord gave him some pretty solid principles to hang on to. Well, he did. And Joshua is so mindful of the giants that lived in the land, that lived in Jericho. He had ventured into the land of Jericho and the the promised land some 40 years earlier, he knew what they were facing. He knew the big responsibility they had. I think there's a lot of moms and dads out there right now. They know they're the breadwinner of the family, that the children are dependent upon them, and uh, there's a lot of financial distresses there. we got business leaders that, uh, that are stressed out like all get out. But this is what God said to Joshua in chapter 8. He said, but this book of the law, the principles that he handed out to Moses, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate day and night that thou shalt do according to all that's written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. So there, there certainly is a clear path and clear principles that are that are taught in Scripture, and we simply need to pull it out and study it. I think it's also the comfort, Don, of knowing that we're never going to go anywhere to escape God's presence, as we're reminded in Psalm 139. And uh, just this morning for myself, Isaiah chapter 49 Mm. reminds us that God himself knows our name. There's a very popular contemporary Christian song out that's, that's entitled, He Knows Our Name. And he does know our name, Don. You know, he knows our name. He knows what our mortgage payments are. Yeah. Uh, he knows the kind of credit crisis that a lot of people are in. And regardless of whether we made stupid choices and decisions or not in the past, irregardless, yeah. he is still there to comfort us, to be with us, yeah. and to take us by the hand and lead us even through the valley of the shadow of death 
We don't have to fear any evil yeah. because just His very presence being with us overshadows all those problems. You know, Dan, as you mentioned that, I thought about the last words Jesus shared in the upper room. Uh, he was there with his disciples. Judas had just left him to betray him. He knew he was uh, going to die on the cross, and he knew his disciples uh, would be upset about it. He'd already told them he was going to prepare a place for them. But the last verse, John sixteen thirty three, he says, In this world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, take courage. I have overcome the world. When we have Jesus Christ in our lives and and we've committed our lives to him, we can overcome any circumstance, can't we? Well, it doesn't fix the circumstances, but it does help us cope and deal with the circumstances. And I think perilous times are are come about and and the, the end result is God's plan to reconcile fallen man back to himself. So it is intended for the purpose, ultimately, always for one of reconciliation. So as Christians, we have probably more witnessing opportunities to let our light shine, to have uh, an under uh, a peace that passes uh, the common understanding of others, that we're still a joy in our voice. There's still uh, peace in our homes and peace in our personal relationships with others, even though there are a lot of perilous things that are going on around us. For the very point of letting our light shine in a time of great darkness, as Jesus reminded us in Matthew chapter 5. So what a witnessing opportunity uh, during these, this period. Uh, the ultimate answer is not to deal with all the financial issues or, or even to deal with the interpersonal issues. It really comes down to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know you will be sharing that, and you always do, but would you take a couple of minutes to just share the gospel with us? Well, tonight? Don, and you know, I was reminded of being with Franklin and the Graham family. You will never see... Uh, Franklin Graham or Billy Graham uh, behind our microphone that they don't clearly give a uh, a very clear presentation of the plan that God has to reconcile us back to him. And they'll point out scripture verses, certainly John 3.16, for God so loved Don Hawkins and Dan Cassidy and Morgan and Emily and all the rest of us that he sent his son to live among us to, to feel our pain and to die for us, the physical trauma of what he suffered on that cross as payment uh, in full, not in part, but in full yeah. for the attitude of indifference that we've had. You know, I, I became a Christian when I was 12. I'd not mm. done a lot of smoking and drinking and running around with wild women at the age of 12, yeah. but I, no. I certainly had an attitude of indifference toward my parents. And, and so God's plan is one of reconciliation. And if we will just simply, with childlike faith, invite him into our heart, to be not only our Redeemer, but to be our steady peace and a sense of direction and purpose and meaning in life. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us. We'll never be able to forsake His His presence with us. And not only that, we can not only have peace on this life, but Don... You know, thank goodness you'll see your folks, right. your parents, relatives, friends, mm-hmm. as we're able to uh, to live in heaven and uh, celebrating and worshiping Him forever and ever. And Dan, what a great heritage that is to have Christian parents and family members who've gone on before us, and and even godly ones still with us. And friend, if you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you uh, to do that right now. You can express your faith in a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me and rose again, and I trust you as my personal Savior. I receive your free gift of eternal life, and I thank you for saving me. 
We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. When we go through hard times, one common product is anxiety. We become worried to the point of distraction over finances, the future, and other factors. Dr. Frank Minereth co-authored the book, Worry-Free Living, and he provides insights into overcoming anxiety during our next segment. Uh, Frank, uh, when we talk about anxiety, uh, this is not a subject that the Bible uh, is silent about. There's a lot in Scripture on this subject. Yeah, and we we thought it'd be really neat to start start with some verses to encourage you. Everybody feels some level of anxiety at times, at least a little bit. Now, let's start with John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Frank, is Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. You may feel not only anxious and fearful, you may be literally dismayed and feel like there is absolutely no hope. Well, God's Word says there is hope. Frank, David has some things to tell us about this subject. Yeah, and friend, if you're anxious and about ready to give up, don't give up. Psalms twenty-seven, fourteen: wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen that heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Great, great promise from the Old Testament. Perhaps the key passage in, in the New Testament is where Jesus talked about worry and anxiety in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is an extended passage, Frank, but I think it's one that deserves our attention. Uh, Jesus six times mentions uh, the word for worry or anxiety in this passage. Three times he says, do not be anxious. Therefore, I say to you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothing? Behold the fowls of the air, the birds, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his statue? Or why do you take thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, stop being anxious or take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles are seeking. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, stop being anxious, or take no thought for tomorrow, because tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day 
is the evil or the trouble thereof. Frank, that is, to me, one of the outstanding passages of Scripture in which Jesus tells us anxiety in reality is not something that we have to have. But maybe we need to back up a step and talk about exactly what anxiety is. Can you give us a definition? Oh, let me just comment on that passage. I, that, that is, Man, that's excellent prose. That yes. is so, so beautiful. Powerful. Oh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I came up with this several years ago, Don, and I called it Levels of Anxiety. And have you ever wondered why sometimes, we all do this a little bit, you, you have more anxiety than the situation should bring forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, some little situation going on today, and you get a little overly nervous. And why in the world did I do that? Mm-hmm. And, and I think for many times there may be three levels of anxiety, not always, but certainly something to look at. Sometimes if, if you've had in your past, early childhood, a history of abuse, abandonment, or anger in that situation. So the three A's, abuse, abandonment, anger. You grew up in a home where those were, they were very, very powerful, and uh, that may have caused some anxiety. The brain's like a vast computer. It records, and it records feelings as well as memories. And those feelings can be recorded, and they can be brought up at a later time and played as though they apply now when they don't. They tend to be brought up, when you're in a current-day anxiety situation. You say, why am I overreacting to maybe an issue at work or whatever? And it might be that the brain is scanning, looking for something in the memory storage to tell you how to respond, and you overreact because not only is present-day anxiety too present, but anxiety one from the past is present. And it can get even worse, Don. Mm. You can take anxiety one and two, and then you can displace it to anxiety over anxiety. I have a lot of people that see me, and they're anxious about getting anxious. And wow. are they anxious about an obsession or a phobia or panic? And the anxiety itself causes anxiety. We call that anxiety three. Hmm. So anxiety three can be overstated because of anxiety two, which is overstated because of anxiety one. So it just kind of is a cascading thing yes. where you're just yes. almost like a waterfall of anxiety. Yes. So as all of you around America, if you have a lot of anxiety, you might, you might ask yourself, deal with what's going on, but is some of it misplaced? Is some of it overstated? And should that maybe be dealt with also? Uh, so the question then becomes, uh, wh- how do we deal with anxiety? Does there, uh, is it always just a matter of the scripture, or are there other ways that we need to deal with anxiety as well? Well, Don, we always deal with things spiritually, psychologically, and physiologically. And, of course, we started with the Scripture. If it's superficial anxiety, find a verse, memorize it, enjoy it. If it's deep-seated anxiety, go over and over and over that verse till it gets in those memory banks. There are great medicines today. Sometimes anxiety has more of a medical component, mitral valve prolapse, sometimes in heart disease, uh, even some tumors. And there's a medical component, and, and, and certainly there are tremendous medications today uh, not addicting, just super medications. And then maybe it's something going on psychologically, and that can be dealt with great cognitive behavioral tools also available. Let's go to the phones, and our first call is from Lakeisha, listening in New Orleans, Louisiana. Hi, Lakeisha. Hi, how you doing? Fine, good to hear from you. I'm really dealing with enemies and haters on a job, and it's just kind of so hard to focus on my job on patrolling when, you know, I'm trying to just focus on the job. How do I do that when somebody just constantly 
harassing me, looking at me up and down, passing me, rolling their eyes from for eight hours, you know, and I tried mm. to go talk to my boss, but it's like I got to have facts to bring to him. Yeah, and what, I, what I'm hearing you tell us, Lakeisha, is that apparently you're in a job situation where someone on the job is harassing you. It's just girls just being haters. They're basically uh, just giving you a, a very hard time and and uh, abusive kinds of things on the job. Yes, and okay. every time I would try and bring this to somebody, and especially the you know if you have a supervisor that's jealous over you too, yeah. and then the other side, they all gain it up on you. Put it yeah. like that. Well, Lakeisha, I'm How so do I handle that. So glad you called us. Let's talk to Doctor Menrith about it. Oh, Lakeisha, good to hear from you. I'm sorry you're going through that also. And uh, just two or three things you might think about. One mm-hmm. is when someone is doing something and it's wrong and it's not fair, and this is easier said than done, but to really work on saying it's not about me, it's not about me. In other words, don't personalize it. We all want to personalize mm-hmm. those things, but the more we personalize it, the worse it gets. And, and many times it's not about us. It's about something going on in them. The other thing is, is, and I don't know that situation well enough to tell you exactly what to do, but, but to, to be careful about overly fighting back. Don, I remember one of the best psychiatrists that I've ever worked with, uh, and, and no one was ever mad at him, and I, I never could figure yeah. it out. And what I finally figured out when people would get, well, they'd get mad at him, but then they'd come out happy. He just, he never fought back. You know, he was just yeah. real kind. Wouldn't uh-huh. fight. He had a Christ-like attitude. Yes. And, and that really made a difference. And then not, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about uh, uh, James five sixteen, the sexual perfect prayer of a righteous man available to us. Tell yeah. God. Tell God what's going on and ask him to step in and help you and protect you. Romans 12 is a good one to look up. Yeah. You. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.